Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful David Rendell. Dave, are you ready to do this? I am ready to do this. Excellent. Let's do this. Dave is a keynote speaker and executive coach who, over the past 15 years, has spoken to audiences on every inhabited continent. Prior to that, he was a speaker who was a leadership professor. Or I'm sorry, prior to becoming a speaker, he was a leadership professor, stand-up comedian, nonprofit executive. He has a doctor of management degree in organizational leadership, as well as a graduate degree in psychology. He's the author of five books, and he's taller than most people. We're excited to have you on. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Dave, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why it is that you do what you do, and you probably need to loop in how tall you are after that. Yeah, yeah. So I tell people I'm six foot six, but I'm six nine in heels. Okay. And uh, when we watch the, you know, if you watch March Madness, six six might not seem tall, but that's a that's a bad sample, right? So six foot six is ninety nine point ninth percentile. Uh, so that means I rarely rarely encounter someone who's taller than I am in person. Um. So yeah, a little bit about my personal life. Um, I'm married, have uh, three daughters, so it's all girls at the house, and they're turning me turning me into one. Um, even even the dog's a girl, Bichon Frise, and I always tell people even if it was a boy, Bichon Frise, it's still a girl because it's a Bichon Frise. Right. Um, so yeah, we live in uh, we live in North Carolina, and that family uh, family is a pretty important uh, part of of my life, and the reason I do what I do, and the reason I do it the way that I do it, I try to keep things simple. I try to really uh, manage my time, be as efficient as I can so that I'm not, not wasting time and doing more than is necessary, working more than is necessary. And I try to really integrate my family into what I do. Um, and then the reason I do what I do, the reason I'm a speaker, the reason I'm an author is because, uh, you know, I'm passionate about this idea that I discovered in my own life, which was the things I spent my whole life getting in trouble for that I couldn't sit still and be quiet and do what I was told and teachers told me I'd never amount to anything and my parents thought I would never amount to anything and so therefore I thought I would never amount to anything um, and I always thought I needed to fix those things and I needed to get better and I needed to learn to sit still and be quiet and do what I was told and now as an adult I get paid to stand up and not sit down and I get paid to talk not to be quiet and I get paid to run my own business not to do what other people tell me to do um, and so it was at some point that I realized that my weaknesses were strengths and I started wondering if other people had weaknesses that were also strengths and it turns out they do and so I started gathering stories and examples I designed an assessment uh, to show people how their weaknesses were connected to their strengths simple example for for illustration would be that um, someone get, gets in trouble for being stubborn uh, the strength is that they're persistent. Somebody gets in trouble for being blunt and rude. The strength is that they're probably direct and honest. Um, and so I show people those connections between what they've thought their weaknesses, what other people thought their weaknesses were, and what their actual strengths are, um, and then how that affects their their marriages, their romantic relationships, their parenting, their work, their managing of other people, their business strategy. Um, and it's just turned into a thing. It gets people's attention enough. It's interesting enough. It's surprising enough. It's unconventional enough that um, I get invited back and people tell other people. And uh, 
yeah, it's turned into a business that uh, that's rolling. Well, that's awesome, and I, I think it's 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 much needed. Do you have to resist the impulse to go back and tell those teachers that 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 you told you so, or tell them in your face, kind of stuff like that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, <laughs> I actually part of my talk. I mean, I include a lot of those negative stories from my childhood. In fact, I speak to a lot of teachers now, so it's weird because a lot of my stories are really negative about. Uh, my experience in school and um, but I managed to really like I just had a talk last week and I I sold out of books and the people said it was the best you know in service they had for teachers for 25 years mm, nice um, but I do I do have that impulse um, in fact part of my talk is um, I tell people teachers used to get upset with me and, and they'd stop class and they'd point me out everybody and they'd say you know sarcastically you know or, or derogatorily you know dave i guess you just want to be their center of attention don't you <laughs> um and what i say is i want to bring them to one of my speeches while i'm standing on stage <laughs> with an actual spotlight on me and be like ta-da um <laughs> turns out you but guys it actually were right did, yeah i did want to be the center of attention but no one was smart enough to say and there's a job for that right there's a place for that and that's a big part of what i teach is that the success in life in, in your career, but it also just in your life in general, is finding the right match, making sure that who you are um, fits where you are, um, or or the reverse that where you are fits who you are. Um, and 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 so I did want to be the center of attention, and none of the adults in my life were smart enough to go. There's there's employment for that. There's a way to make money being the center of attention. There's nothing wrong with that impulse. Let's help you find ways to maximize that desire that you have. Instead, they pathologized it, right? And told me that there was something wrong with me and something wrong with that goal and that I needed to change and be more like their definition of a person. And so that's part of what I try to show people is that the goal in life isn't to change to find the right match between the person and the place. Right. Well, I really think that we're both driving at similar end desired end results, which is helping people to, to find more happiness and more fulfillment in, in their lives and, and really yeah. as, as many aspects as possible. I know that if I can help somebody to wake up to be inspired and they're engaged while they're working and they get home fulfilled, um, my piece with it focuses on the money piece, but I don't think you're ever going to be successful with money if those other pieces are not there. So and you, and I, you and I both know that so many Americans are the opposite of that. They're they're uninspired, they're not engaged, and they're probably really, really burned out at the end of the day when they get home to their families. So wanted to just talk to you about some really, hopefully some practical stuff that people can be doing or thinking about, maybe from an employer standpoint to employees, or if we're just thinking about from an individual standpoint, how people can maybe shift that from being uninspired to being inspired unengaged being engaged yeah and, so. yeah and i think the excuse most people would give you and it's not really an excuse it's a legitimate reason that they would give you for not being engaged and not being inspired by their work is i do this for the money because i'm trying to take care of my family and this is the responsible choice right mm-hmm. but and, and i think in the short term that makes sense over the long run it, it never works out that way because that thing you don't like doing that you're not very good at that you'd rather not do that you're not very excited about is never going to have the same income potential that something that you're passionate about would have right it might be a slower 
growth, it might be a slower start, but over time, that thing that you really love, that you're really passionate about, that you're really good at, that you have a special talent for, that really separates you from everybody else, has the highest income potential. And I think that's sort of the first lesson, to believe in yourself enough that if you invested in yourself, um, I mean, the best investment I've ever made in my life is 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 in my own business. You know, I, I put money in my 401k every single year. As a small business owner, I max it out, especially even just for tax purposes, but also for long-term financial security. Uh, but that that money has never, ever even come close to making me the same amount of money as, for example, printing 5,000 of my books, right? The, the, the amount of money that I make back when I invest money in printing 5,000 of my books is that the, the rate of return is, 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 is multiples higher than than investing in somebody else's business, investing in the stock market, investing in, in mutual funds. And so I think that's the first part is, is, is being going against the flow of everybody says, take the safe choice, do the safe thing, uh, invest in other people's businesses, invest in other places, invest in yourself, believe in yourself, believe that it has that potential and take that take that shot i don't think you'll ever regret taking that shot because even if it doesn't work out at least you don't spend the rest of your life wondering if it would have right um so i think that's the first piece is even believing that's a viable option or believing it's a better option even than sort of the traditional way that people go about it um i'll just kind of walk through i mean i have a framework so it's simple for me to ask sort of what should people do so the first step is for people to assess their strengths and weaknesses and know that they make sure they're clear on what those are um, and then my second step is kind of the opposite of pretty much everybody else's, which is to accept that those are your strengths and weaknesses. Don't try to adjust. Don't try to adapt. Uh, don't try to become someone else. Uh, don't try to change it. Just accept this is who I am. And not in the sense of compromise, but in the sense that we accept that gravity is real, right? It's acknowledging the reality that you are that way, that you have those preferences, that you have that particular personality, um, so acceptance and then appreciation to go beyond simple acceptance and be pumped that you're that way, that you have those particular weaknesses, those particular strengths. I give examples of billionaires who have dyslexia. One of them is the former founder of, um, I guess you're never the former founder, the founder of Kinko's, uh, Paul Orfala had dyslexia and ADHD. Um, and he ultimately sold his company for $2.4 billion. And one of his quotes is, I think everyone should have dyslexia. <laughs> um, and one of his things that he realized, which is what I teach, is that every every disadvantage has an advantage. Every, every weakness has a strength. Every valley has a peak. And what he realized is if he took a pill, um, which he's gotten that exact question, would you take a pill that would cure dyslexia? He says, no, because the advantages are so big. I, I don't want to lose the disadvantages um, because I would lose the strength when I when I fixed the weakness, right? And so that appreciation side, I mean, I'm six foot six and that was cool when it helped me get a basketball scholarship, but pretty much for the rest of my life, it's a big disaster because I don't fit on planes, I can't find clothes, I hit my head a lot. It isn't helpful on a day-to-day -day basis to be six foot six for most people unless you're in the NBA or something. Um, but I wouldn't go back and change that because the, I know the advantages come with the disadvantages um, and I'm willing to not just accept but appreciate the value um, that comes from that. Um, so the next step that's for people and for managers is if we thought differently about ourselves and others, which is the awareness, acceptance, and appreciation, then we behave differently. We treat people differently and that's amplification is the first thing we do. We allow people to turn up the volume instead of saying you talk too much we'd say you talk a lot let's give you opportunities to talk more instead of saying a kid's hyperactive 
we'd say you're really active. Um, let's give you opportunities to be active, right? Uh, Michael Phelps had ADHD and he's the most decorated Olympian of all time um, because his mom allowed him to turn up the volume on being hyperactive instead of giving him a pill to try to fix it. Um, I'm a speaker after people spent my whole life telling me to be quiet. I do more of those things. I do Ironman triathlons and people say, wow, that's amazing. Now, after I do 2.4 miles of swimming, 112 miles of biking, and 26.2 miles of running over a 13-hour period of time, people say, wow, that's amazing. Um, but when I was a kid, they said, you know, you need some medicine that would make you do better because it would, it would reduce your level of activity. Um, so I try to show people that when you amplify and when you allow other people to amplify, that's when you're not, you don't just amplify your own personal characteristics, you also amplify your potential for success. But that's the opposite. The world tries to get us to moderate um, those characteristics of ours. Don't have too much, be well-balanced, be well-rounded, have the perfect amount. Uh, that's what we're told. Um, and then we already talked about alignment a little bit. Once you amplify, there's only certain environments that are going to reward you for being yourself. And so you have to, you can't just expect your current employer to be like, oh, that's great. Uh, George, I'm glad that you've uh, time, turned up the volume on all the things we put on your performance evaluation last year. Uh, that doesn't really work here, right? So finding that fit, I don't, I'm a speaker because that's the right fit and that's who I am. I didn't just turn up the volume at my old job and expect everybody to be excited about it. I turned up the volume and then put myself in a situation that would reward me for being that way. Um, which leads to the next one, which is uh, avoidance. We have to stop doing some things um, so we can spend more time on the things that we're the best at. So we need to stop trying to fix our weaknesses. We need to stop trying to do all those tasks uh, that we don't enjoy doing. We need to stop trying to push ourselves to be something that we're not. And we need to deliberately avoid those things um, so that we have time to do those things that are maximum alignment. And then the last step is affiliation. Um, we need to partner with people who are strong where we're weak. Um, you don't have to be perfect, but you can have a perfect life if you partner with people who have what you don't have. If you partner with people who have what you're missing, the problem is our tendency is that we tend to see that people are missing what we have. We tend to see that they're weak where we're strong um, instead of seeing that they're strong where we're weak. Um, and so that last step, you know, I have an organized life um, because my wife is organized and because I, I affiliate with her because I have awareness, acceptance and appreciation of her strengths and weaknesses. And that allows us to partner together. I can have a more organized life without being more organized if I'm willing to affiliate with someone who's different than me, and we have a hard time with that oftentimes, accepting and appreciating people who are different from us. Um, and that, that applies, you know, not only personally, but also professionally. You know, if you're managing people, real affiliation, real teamwork is rare. We tend to want people who are cross-trained, who can fill in for anybody, who have a wide range of skills, but then they're never really that good at any of the particular things, and that we don't get the kind of people that would really maximize our success as a team or as an organization. Nice. I think that that certainly makes sense to me. There's a, a gentleman named Cal Newport, and I think he's a Georgetown professor, and he's got this great talk about instead of looking for your purpose, find what, find what your impact is first. And oftentimes when you're doing what you can have an impact at, you get really good at it, and then it becomes your purpose. It's kind of a really, really short synopsis of his thought process, but it sounds like that's to a degree similar to what it is that you're talking about. It's not necessarily 
don't focus on what you're really passionate about necessarily. It's find what you're maybe not good at, but then realize what you're really good at. Or I'm doing a bad job. It's focus on. No, you're on it. Yeah. <laughs> so what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So you know, a lot of times what we do is that when we want to get better, we find what's not working and we try to fix it. Yes. Right. And to, to your point, a, a better strategy is sometimes to go, well, what is working? Well, when, when do I have success? When do people appreciate me? When do I have, to use your words, impact? When am I already making a difference? How can I turn up the volume on that instead of worrying about it? It's like, as a business, uh, you can worry about, you can do exit interviews with customers you've lost, and you can try to make the customers who give you bad Yelp reviews happy, or you can find the people who never give you bad Yelp reviews, who seem to love your stuff, who haven't left you in 10 years, who tell everybody else about you, who account for 80% of your profits, and you can find out what they love about you and try to turn up the volume on that. And what that may do is turn up the volume on what those other people hate about you, right? <laughs> um, in fact, uh, I just we just published today, it'll be out April 1st, my friend and I, Stan, uh, we published a book called Pink Goldfish, um, which is, is basically applying the freak factor strategies to marketing, um, marketing your business. And one of the strategies is antagonizing that that you when you turn up the volume on your unique strengths and weaknesses, it's going to turn some people completely off. It's going to make them raging haters, <laughs> um, but it's going to also cause other people to love you in ways that are almost unimaginable. Right. We have a hilarious um, transcript of this voicemail. This, pe- this lady called in from Alamo Drafthouse, and it's a movie theater that has super strict rules about talking texting coming in late um, kids aren't allowed anywhere in the theater ever for any reason um, once you're 15 you can get approved but you have to take a class now think about that you have to take a class to go to the movies right and so wow. this lady got kicked out for texting they actually enforced their rules and she called in and just raged on and on for minutes about how terrible their business was and they actually started, they turned it into a YouTube video and they play it before the movie starts as, a, as proof that they're serious. And it's their don't talk, don't text PSA, public service announcement. And so they don't just antagonize people, then they antagonize the people they've antagonized. But the people who love them are like, yeah, that's exactly right. I hope that lady is unhappy and I hope she never comes back. Right. <laughs> and so that's kind of what we're talking about is that 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 strength is always going to be connected to a weakness and that thing you do as a business or as a person that has the biggest impact is also going to bother someone make someone unhappy and so trying to fix that is never um never going to make you as successful as saying what do people already love about us and what other people love is they love those rules right they love the quiet they love the fact that people are well behaved they love the fact that they're in movies with other people like them so i think you're exactly right Look at what's working. Look at what you're doing well. Look at where you've all what you've always enjoyed. Uh, look at what um, seems to be getting results in your life, and then say, "What if I turn up the volume on that?" Um, regardless of all these other things that I might be missing, that I might not have, that I might not be good at. Awesome. Don't worry about that. Focus on what's working. Yeah. Nice. Well, Dave Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, I mean, I think it's what we've been talking about. I mean, this is what I uh, this is what I talk about all the time, which is, you know, every every weakness has a corresponding strength. Be yourself. Don't try to meet everyone else's expectations. See those things that are unique about you. What my phrase from uh, speaking is: what makes us weird also makes us wonderful, and what makes us weak also makes us strong. 
And I think if as parents, as managers, as partners, um, as uh, employees and entrepreneurs, if we really saw that um, our weaknesses were also strengths, if we saw that other people's weaknesses were also strengths, if we had that awareness, acceptance, and appreciation, if we allowed ourselves and others to amplify and align, um, that's where we'd see the, the greatest success. And it would end up, it does end up hitting the, the bottom line. Um, it does end up people who are doing what they love, doing what they're passionate about, instead of grinding through tasks they'd rather procrastinate, are the ones who make a better living, who have a better life. They don't just have more money, they have more happiness and fulfillment to go along with it. Oh, I definitely agree. That is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So, Dave, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Yeah, so my website is is drendel.com. So it's my first initial D and my last name, rendel.com. It's got uh, my Freak Factor book. It's got the free 30-minute version of my Freak Factor talk if people are interested. It's got the Freak Factor for Kids, uh, which is a book I wrote to help kids understand the same concept at a younger age so that hopefully they can get off to a good start instead of heading in the wrong direction. Um, and that's where they can they can book me to speak to their school or to their corporation or to their association or whatever it happens to be. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, check out Dave's website, get his books, and also show Dave your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Thank you again, Dave. Thanks a lot, man. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!